0: Welcome back to the Arena Craft Podcast. My name is Arjuna. I'm your host. And this is a show ordinarily devoted to Magic Arena, Pioneer, and newer formats. However today I decided to do something a little bit different because I had the opportunity recently to attend Magic Fest Portland. So what I'm gonna be bringing you today is actually a from the floor rundown of my experience at the Magic Fest uh, used to be known as GPS. And yeah it was just it was a cool experience for me. It was the first time I've ever been to one. And I'm really glad that I had this opportunity to bring some recording equipment and actually chronicle my experience there, because it was just a very novel experience for me, and I think that there are other people out there who may have never been to a Magic Fest who would enjoy hearing about it. First things first, I just highly recommend, if you haven't gone to one of these yet and you're any kind of a serious Magic lover, it's just such a cool experience. Uh, There's really... It was really just a celebration of magic in all of its forms, and I've been playing magic for years, and so it's actually kind of weird that I've never been to one of these before, but, you know, I'm uh, taking my relationship with magic to the next level, shall we say, and so this was a really good opportunity for me to do so. So a little bit later on in this episode, I'm going to be, uh, and, and the majority of this episode is really going to be interviews from the floor with various people at the event I interviewed just some regular tournament goers uh, asking them their opinion on on various things uh, mostly covering the mystery booster draft which was a huge draw for the event and uh, I asked a, there was a friend of mine who attended who played in the limited PTQ so I chatted with him got his experience there were also a couple of cosplayers that I ran into on the floor, uh, so we got to hear from some cosplayers and also from some Magic artists. Got some uh, really famous faces from Magic Illustrations past. So anyway, yeah, my hope with this episode is that it's just going to provide you a little bit of the flavor of what Magic Fest Portland was like, what it felt like to be there, and hopefully that can... For those of you who aren't able to attend, hopefully it can help you to get a little bit of that cool Magic Fest feeling. So, quick recap of my experience. I drove up on Friday morning, and I had had been considering participating in the standard event over the weekend. Uh, I decided not to for a number of reasons. One of them was that the deck that I had been playing and excited about playing, which was uh, Tima Clover, from inspired by one of the earlier interviews with Aaron Gertler, it just wasn't looking as well positioned against the what my perception was as being the current meta game. I'd been having a lot of success with it on the ladder about maybe three weeks ago, something like that. But when I had been playing it post-Mythic Championship, It just didn't seem to be holding up as well as I wanted it to. And then I also just decided that I would rather spend my time playing some Mystery Booster drafts, which I've been really excited to check out, and just spending a little bit more time doing interviews and, and just kind of getting a feel for the thing. So yeah, I decided not to play in any of the main events for the weekend, and I'm really glad that I didn't. Uh, so, so what I ended up doing was I got there in the afternoon. I met up with a friend of mine. We ended up playing an Eldrain two-headed giant event, which was a lot of fun. Although I will say that we. So, we, we lost our. Uh, sorry, we won our first round, which felt good. But um, we then went on to lose our. Uh, second and third rounds both to decks which were running uh, some combination of the trebuchet the knight's trebuchet and smitten swordsmaster so two different groups of opponents who were playing those cards and let me tell you those cards are pretty nasty in a multiplayer format like two-headed giant because as you probably know any effect which talks about each opponent uh, doubles up when you're playing two-headed giant, and so you basically get you get one and a half times as much damage. I mean, it's it's twice as much damage, but because the life total starts at 30, it, it roughly averages out to about one and a half damage. But you also get twice the discard, uh, twice the sacrifice. You know, basically twice the everything that says all opponents or each opponent. So, yeah, so Smith and Swordmaster, just to give you a rundown, if they have three knights in play and they play Smith and Swordmaster, they gain three life and you lose six. So it adds up pretty quickly. And then, of course, with the Trebuchet, it does two damage a turn. And that's pretty nasty, especially when you're getting pinged by it two or more times in a turn, which can easily happen. One opponent also played the Black Circe or Conrad. And. Yeah, if you don't have a way to immediately deal with that, you also basically lose the game on the spot in Two-Headed Giant. So Eldraine, Two-Headed Giant, maybe not the most balanced format, but it was definitely a lot of fun, and I would definitely recommend if you're ever playing it, keep an eye out for those those specific cards. The Trebuchet is amazing, Smitten Swordmaster, Sir Conrad, overperformers in that format, definitely so then in day two i just tried my best to play the mystery booster draft since that was the talk of the tournament and it was it really was the most fun that i think i've ever had playing booster draft now i had been hearing other people talk about it in on other podcasts and in various places and they were like oh it's so much fun it's kind of like cube it's It's kind of, you know, it's it's a unique experience and there's nothing quite like it. You should really try it. It's a lot of fun. And I remember thinking like, oh, that that sounds cool. Yeah, maybe I'll try it if I get a chance. But I just wasn't that excited about it. But when I actually sat down at this event and opened the packs and saw the playtest cards and just opened up all kinds of cool cards from Magic's history it really was special. It, it was really a unique experience that I personally had never had before booster drafting. And I loved it. I mean, the playtest cards are really sweet. They're really amazing. Uh, let's see, I opened a couple of chimney goifs. That was really fun. Uh, as you'll hear later in the episode, I had a lot of fun with a card called a good thing. And you know, there were people opening Slivmizzets and uh, just all kinds of stuff. But it was also just really amazing to, like, it was the first time in a booster draft where I've sat down and opened a sealed pack and drafted a Kiki Jiki combo deck, which was one of the, the decks that I played as a Felidar Guardian Kikijiki combo, and... uh I also was able to have some fun with some black control decks. There's some really powerful black enchantments like Death is Nell going around. And anyway, I you know suffice it to say that I really would just highly recommend if you have the chance to play the Mystery Booster Draft to do so. It was so popular at the event that by Sunday there was actually a massive line for it because... They were running out of booster packs. I mean it was just so popular. people were doing so much of it they they had they were running out of their supply and so what you had was like a line going out the door and down into the lobby for people waiting to get that buzzer so they could actually you know group up and and do the draft so anyway that's just some indication of how awesome it was. It really was that fun so When it comes to stores a little bit later on, I would just highly recommend that you, if you haven't done it already, get some packs, play with your friends. Uh, They put a lot of really valuable cards in there. Like, you know, in in one draft, I drafted, I got Anima, I got Kiki Jiki, I got Crufix, the god. Uh, I got a Lotus Petal. I mean, it's just, you know, and there were even some valuable cards that I passed that I probably shouldn't have as well. So, you know, it, it's not necessarily that you're going to get your value out of every pack, but you can definitely open some big money cards and you definitely see them in each draft. So that's just another incentive to do it if you're kind of on the fence. So, um, yeah, anyway, that so Saturday I spent a lot of the day doing the mystery booster draft then I also did a battle bond two-headed giant with a friend of mine I, I enjoy that format but it's not my favorite Um, we had a crazy game when our opponent played a partner creature and then their partner got the other creature from their deck they played that creature and then got another copy of the original creature from the original deck so this is Creature number three that comes down, and then their partner got the counterpart. So they basically had two complete sets of different partner creature cards, and we basically just looked at the board state and couldn't win from there. So that's that's the kind of thing that can happen in Battle Bond: is that you can get these really snowbally board states and snowbally card advantage schemes going on, which are pretty crazy. But overall, it was a good time. Um, I really enjoyed my Battle Bond as well. And then on Sunday, I did more Mystery Booster Draft, and then I spent most of the rest of the day just walking around and getting the interviews that you're going to hear coming up here in a moment. So anyway, um, I'm just going to describe what it's like a little bit at one of these events, just in case you've never been to one. So it was at the Oregon Convention Center which is it's on the east side of the river in Portland, Oregon. And uh, Portland's a really cool city, by the way. If you've never been there, I would highly recommend it. Great coffee, great food. It's rainy, but it's not too cold in the winter. And they call it Bridge City because there's a river running right through the middle of it and a lot of bridges going across. And it, it really is just a cool place. Friendly people. It's got a kind of a hip vibe to it if you can hang with the hipsters on their fixie bikes and all that kind of stuff. um, so, so you go into the convention center, and it's just one massive room, of course. And the first thing that you notice when you walk in is there are just tables and tables and tables. I would say that about 75% of the space in the convention center was just taken up by rows and rows and rows of tables. And of course it's just basically designed to do one thing which is play magic so you walk in and there are just these long rows and you go down your rows and you know you you get assigned to a number in most of the events that you do you sit down by your number and there's someone across the table from you and then you just you you do your event whether it's your constructed event limited you know what have you and then, you know, the rest of the center that throughout the middle of of the center, you have various vendor tables and they have like these plastic case countertops with the cards underneath and I mean there's just pretty much any card that you could want to buy on display in these cases. It's it's pretty cool. It's it's fun just going, seeing what's on offer there's this kind of marketplace vibe where everyone's people are trading and cashing in and cashing out and uh, negotiating. And it's just a, it's a really cool feeling. It, it really is. And then around the edge of the center, you have food vendors. Um, you have prize Prize stations, so when you play events, and especially if you win any events, you get prize tickets that you can redeem for things like booster packs and shirts and deck boxes and sleeves and singles, you know, just kind of your standard fare magic merch. I got a Garrick t-shirt. It was a Magic Fest Portland-themed Garrick t-shirt that was really cool. And then there's also tables with artists which is just one of my favorite things about the event so you can go and get your cards altered by a magic artist you can pick up custom tokens and play mats featuring art from that particular artist and then they have various other knickknacks depending on the artist and that was one of my favorite parts of it actually was to get to meet some of the artists from magic's history and you'll hear some interviews with them if you keep listening and so, yeah, it, it, overall, it was just a, a big celebration of magic, walking around, meeting people. There's a bunch of cosplayers, which is awesome. I saw Rowan Kenrith. I saw Faye of Wishes. I saw a Teferi. Um, there's just, yeah, so many cool, dedicated people showing up to bring some of your favorite magic characters to life. So yeah, like I said, if you have ever considered going to one of these events, I would highly recommend it. People came in from all over the country to check this out, and it was worth their time. You know, it's just, it's so fun to be surrounded by Magic players and your friends and uh, playing, especially playing new formats like this weekend was really exciting, and uh, I'd recommend it to anyone. So anyway, thanks for listening to my long and perhaps meandering intro here. I'm going to cut to the interviews now, and uh, I hope you enjoy this, and I'll catch a little bit on the other side. So here are some snippets of interviews that I took waiting in line for the Mystery Booster Draft. So I'm here in line with some people at the Magic Fest Portland, and we are currently waiting for buzzers for the Mystery Booster event. Uh, it's so popular that there's literally a line all the way out the door and down the hallway in the Oregon Convention Center, and I'm here with a couple of people who are also waiting for the event. And, uh, yeah, let's just start with
1: you. Um, what what are you excited about with the Mystery Booster draft? Um, well, obviously the playtest cards, but it's going to be interesting to have the experience of a cube that hasn't been built by it, that, that's been built by, you know, wizards themselves um, because, you know, a lot of people's cubes are of varying quality. Um, and the, I just think the draft's going to be really interesting seeing all these things that play together. Well, so have you played it yet? No, not
0: yet. Okay. And and you came down here from Seattle, is that yeah. right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to, to... This is my first Magic Fest in... Well, Grand Prix Pro Tour Magic Fest in, like... 15 years? Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's been a so long time.
0: Coming come back to the game. Yeah. Now, how about yourself? Have you played the Mystery Booster draft before?
2: Yeah, I've done, I've done two drafts. I did two drafts yesterday and ended up making just really janky mono green decks like both times. Um, I love the idea of this curated chaos draft type thing. It's a limited environment you're just never going to get to see outside of, you know, in a regular set.
0: Uh, what what's the craziest thing that you've seen happen in one of these games so far
2: oh the craziest thing I don't know I haven't seen anything too crazy I was mentioning earlier how I was uh, I, I did Michael Loth, uh, devour uh, five 1-1 one one warriors from a crowen horse uh, to make the the uh, Getting ten Sapperlings a turn that were two twos with caged Sun. I mean, again, that's not something you see like in a regular set. So.
0: <laughs> no, not really, not really. Yeah. How about yourself? Is this your first Mystery Booster draft? I
3: did one yesterday, and it was the funnest experience I've had in a limited environment, um, probably in my life. It was it was really really awesome. I have my own cube, and it's very cool getting to see. Uh, just a random huge assortment of cards because there's some cards I'm familiar with and some cards you have to reread, some cards you read wrong, and it's just uh, it's it's an amazing, sometimes explosive, but also sometimes very very long and drawn out experience. But it's definitely the best one I've had. Yeah.
0: Now, um, have you played with any of the, the playtest
3: cards? I don't think I'm going to add any of them to my cube. Just says aesthetically, I just don't like the look of them, but I could totally understand people, you know, even doing altars of them, and then putting them in their cube as, like, a a history kind of thing. Um, It just wouldn't be
1: for me. Yeah. Have you played the Mystery Booster? I have not. Okay. Are you excited about it? Yeah, I actually am. Um, It looks like a lot of fun. Um, interested in seeing what it all turns out to be the playtest cards look like a lot of fun yeah is there any particular playtest
0: card you're excited to open
1: um, I don't know the uh, interplaner brush rag looks pretty cool
0: yeah that's pretty amazing uh, just a big yeah.
1: dumb creature that attacks everybody <laughs>
0: yeah
1: I the one
0: that I've been wanting to open not just because of the value is Mizzet. Oh yeah. I just I just love the flavor of that card.
1: Yeah, they changed his uh, flavor text. Mizzet is the best or whatever. <laughs> totally, I love it. That's great. Yeah. What's get, the so, uh, what what what's the like four three yeah. vigilance flying yeah. green black creature? Oh, the Gavari Death Swarm? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm excited to try and open that
4: one. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: saw a couple of those
0: just to heart people.
4: Giant. Yeah, right. Totally.
0: So wait. Tell me, uh, for our listeners, tell us the crazy combo
1: you were talking about. Again. Oh, so um, it was um, it was life and limb.
5: Uh, to it doesn't
1: have to be life and limb, but some way to animate all your opponent's creatures, um, and then doing a a combo with Soul Sculpture, which will turn a creature into an enchantment that loses all other abilities, which means. You didn't turn their creature, their land into a creature and just destroy it. No, you turn it into enchantment, so it just sits there taunting them, as they can't tap it for mana anymore, and it just sits there with no active abilities. Um, yeah, it's That's pretty nasty. Yeah, yeah, I love it. But I, I think um,
0: my favorite experience so far in the Mystery Booster Draft was drafting the card uh, a good thing. Uh-huh. Have you guys seen that? No. It's it's a, it's a it's a six CMC enchantment and it doubles your life every upkeep, but when you reach a thousand life you die. And too much of too much of a good thing. Exactly. And you're not allowed you you can't target it with any of your spells and you cannot sacrifice it. So Beautiful.
1: You're locked in. Yeah. That's fun. Right awesome
0: Here's a quick interview I did with my buddy Corey Who played in the limited PTQ
2: on Friday
0: So how have you been playing Magic Festival this weekend?
2: Well my, my approach has been to do a lot of limited uh, Signed up for the PTQ draft event on Friday okay. And then since then I've just been doing a lot of on-demand limited drafts um,
0: How the PTQ go?
2: Um, it was fun to be a part of. I had only done one before and it was sealed and I think it's actually rather new to have it as a draft format so it's fun to be part of something that is still um, being adopted. Did uh, didn't go very well for me in <laughs> record and wins, but uh, you know I always my favorite part about drafting is the actual draft experience, not necessarily the games. Uh, I find it to be really interesting and something I'm continuously trying to improve at. So it was a good test and definitely had some lessons to walk away with. Um, And then, yeah, since then it's been a lot of the on-demand drafting and also being a relatively new player coming into it the last three or four years, um, the mystery boosters is kind of a, it's really exciting for me, but card evaluation, it's tough to realize like, oh, that's a signal because it's in here and you know with it being such a huge pool of cards over 1600 it's hard to know like if there are potential themes if you just kind of resort to some of the tried and true tropes and strategies of draft um so it's really i feel like it's extra complex for a game that's already quite complex Um, but it's been super fun
0: yeah. Um, so, have you managed to like identify any archetypes in the Mystery Booster, or, or is there anything that you've done
2: that's kind of felt successful to you? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've managed to find the losing archetypes, okay, or okay. just uh, somehow I've been cursed with horrible luck, um, which is obviously everyone knows is part of the game. Oh yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, I. It's interesting because you know you, at the convention you have these. Special edition playtest cards, and those are fun. Can't really expect what's gonna come out of someone's hand when they play it, and even for yourself. Again, when you're coming down to like valuing a card, is this is this good? Do I fully understand what it does? Um, and then, yeah, is it something I want to take for actual financial consideration? Because. Yeah, you know, twenty five dollar drafts add up, especially if you're you're just yeah. losing on the first match and then you're dropped. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't have any good strategies that I could uh, part ways God. with. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So, what's the craziest thing
2: that you've seen happen, or the craziest blood state that's happened so far while you've been doing the mystery draft? Hmm. Uh. One of my opponents yesterday played one of these playtest cards that on your upkeep, the person that played this card, it's an enchantment. It doubles your life. And yeah. if you get to a 1,000, then you, you lose the game. And um, how did it go for them? It worked out. It, it won him that game. Okay. Um, and, yeah, he was down to a pretty low life total, and it bought him some turns. And the board state, when he played it, the board state was about at parity but shifting a little bit in his favor and then he had enough creatures that he could just start attacking each turn and it was combined with this um, artifact created the name of that when it's equipped to an attacking creature um, when that creature attacks the opponent will start revealing cards from the top of their library until they reveal a land and for each card revealed that creature gets plus one plus oh and so he was like attacking with this lifelinker first strike and just getting extra power while milling me at the same time and so it just came all together for him in a beautiful way but for me in a very unfortunate way i was like oh i might actually uh rip off a win here so it's hilarious because i actually drafted that enchantment as well Mm -hmm. and i
0: played Two matches, and the only game that I played it in, I died to. <laughs> and I will say, it bought me some time. I was probably losing that game pretty much on the spot if I didn't cast it. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely my opponent had a deck uh, built around Odric. Okay. And so he was just getting in for massive amounts of damage every turn. And eventually, he just looked at the bird state and realized, I'm not going to win the race against this thing. And so he just stopped attacking. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, he, he had... At the end of the draft, he told me he had, like, six Law Mages bindings in his deck. Something like that. So wow. I, every threat that I would play, he would just lock it down. Yep. And, uh, yep, eventually I looked at my life total. It was 640, and I was like, I'm actually
2: dead next turn. <laughs> Which is normally a life total that you're pretty happy <laughs> to right. have. So that, so, that's one of the cool things about, you know, these cards in this game is, like, there there's so many, with that many cards that exist in the world, In this game, it's like you run into unique things. So, uh, like, same opponent, um, I had an enchantment that I played on his creature that, on that player's upkeep, whoever the creature is enchanted by, um, on upkeep, they lose one life. And so, that was on the battlefield at the same time as that doubling life total enchantment. And so we was like, well, what would happen in the scenario where his life total was 500, and then it's his upkeep, and then does that player get to order the stack so it could reduce the life to 499 and then double and it, and or double does it. it go to 1,000 and then reduce it? So it's just yeah. like, when would that scenario ever happen? It's like so rare, but, you know, yeah. these things come up sometimes.
0: It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I have to say, I think this is... The Mystery Booster has been my favorite Format, limited format that I've ever Played, Yeah, and yeah I just absolutely can't wait For it to be in the store Yeah, just
2: combines so many Things that people love, well, can't speak For everybody, but for me as a player The draft experience, the excitement of Opening packs, like anything could be In there, it's kind of like Pseudo Cube, because it's a curated List of cards that has Some, you know Synergies in there um, and yeah. then, yeah, it's just like a, a trip down memory lane for people that have been playing for a long time.
0: I know. It's like I opened a Lotus Petal, and I was like, this is sweet. And
2: I get to keep this? I get to keep it. <laughs> yeah, right? it's not like giving thing. it back to my buddy who put that's the cube the together. No, you know,
0: you could open a Mana Crypt and keep it, right? And, yeah. I mean, that's exciting. It's something you don't normally get to do with cubes. So. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think it's like it's an amazing thing that they've done. Oh, my buzzer is going off, and it looks like yours is too. Thanks for the interview. Sure, thank you. Yeah, cheers. And now here's perhaps my favorite segment from what I did for the show this weekend, which is my interview with the various artists that were at the Magic Fest. I just really enjoyed talking with these artists. They've contributed so much to the game. I think it's easy to take for granted when you look at a Magic card that it has art on it. But if you stop and think about it and you read the name, you know, there's just hundreds of probably thousands even of artists who have contributed to magic over the years. And it was just really special to talk with people who had illustrated cards that I have played with and love throughout my time with magic. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this. If I can have you start just by introduce yourself yep. and say your name.
6: Yep, yep, yep. I'm Mark Poole.
0: Yeah. How's the weekend been going for you? You know,
6: it's, it's nice and gloomy up here. I love the weather. It's awesome. I'm from South Carolina. But, oh, okay. But it's been good. No, the weather's fine. The event's fine. Food's good. People are great, so no complaints.
0: Awesome. So yeah. you've, been, you've been doing altars and signing cards. Altars,
6: signing cards, uh, yeah. You Okay. Know, eating, yeah. eating food. Yeah. Signing cards, eating food. There you go. That's, that's how it is.
0: About how many of these do you tend to go to a year?
6: It depends. Minimum of 10, but upwards of maybe 20. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah,
6: yeah. yeah. So a so good bit. And not just a magic event. I do other other shows, gallery shows, but magic is in that range. Here.
0: Yeah. Do
6: you yeah. do cons as well? I do some. I These are a little bit better because it's focused. But I, used to, I do Gen Con, but I've done them all. I've done like Santa Comic Con, New York Comic Con, all those things as well. But uh Sometimes I take a break from those. They're a little different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you're really well known in the magic community as a magic artist. Um, Do you do artists for other games? Oh, yeah.
6: Dude, you name it, I've I've probably done it. Seriously. You know, I've done even online gaming and stuff. I've done conceptual work, a bunch of stuff out there. So all kind of art. And not just even games. I've done stuff for Cirque du Soleil. I've done stuff for Ford Motor Company. I've done stuff for NASCAR. I've done stuff for NFL. So it just. Just goes on. Oh,
0: that's yeah. epic! Yeah, I'm yeah, curious yeah. about that circusolace. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did this one.
6: It was like a 24 foot, 36 foot poster craziness dude yeah that's amazing yeah it was a lot of fun a lot okay. of fun okay yeah, I'll have yeah. To check that out just, yeah
0: just by the way like if people want to find your work where can they find it
6: you can go to markpool.net okay and that's I got a actually we're just switching over hosts and stuff but there's a there's a ghost site there right now so
0: okay yeah okay that's sweet so a couple magic questions like, you probably get asked this all the time but do you have a favorite artwork that you've got yeah
6: uh, you know again it's like who's your favorite kid I'm like well it depends on what they've done that whatever day but no. Nah, as far as the Old World stuff goes, or what I call the Old Testament art, would have probably been uh, Balance. I like Balance. And then the Keldorian frost beast. I don't know why. It's just like that. When I like this dude coming out of the ice, it was, people were like, Keller and Frostbys. like, oh, yeah, I like Keller and yeah. And then oh, modern stuff, Stone Cold Serpent. It was just a fun, one. That's good fun. stuff. I, so. I
0: love that. It's yeah. a great card. It's a great all. It's good.
6: Across the board, it was just good. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it was all a lot of fun on they that one. It's also a good one. They did. They gave, they gave me one. I was like, all right, thanks. So that was pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's it's Birds of Paradise. Yeah, there. yeah. I have a big Birds of
6: Paradise yeah. fan. That's, yeah, there but, you go.
0: Ancestral Recall, you also can't go wrong with
6: Of course, can go can go with the library and some of those, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, and uh, we were just talking a little bit earlier, um, you said that you were into Warhammer. That's what I play. So that's like your main game.
6: Dude, I I, I have about every army, but maybe orcs and chaos. chaos. I, I play, I guess, nine, ten different armies, I do tournaments and that, so.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, now, yeah. is that like something you've been doing forever? Yeah, matter of fact,
6: in the back in the early 90s I would do I'd set up a signing but I would let the store event know if you run a mini 40k tournament I'll, I'll come do a signing oh, so they cool. would run like a one day Mark Buhl 40k tournament I'd show up be playing 40k and sign on magic cards and stuff oh
0: that's so cool yeah yeah yeah
6: cause that yeah. cool. that's just always been I love the, the novels I like the, the the world the 40k stuff I just you know that's just what I fell into early yeah so, you and, know. Uh,
0: and so an excellent outlook for your autistic.
6: It is, but but the problem is it's time. I don't have time. I'll have one model that's just painted to the hilt. And the rest are tabletop ready. And they're like, dude, I thought you was an artist. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I just don't have time. But I do paint them. I eventually get everything done, so it's yeah, kind of funny. Maybe. If, yeah,
0: maybe. If the schedule freed up, you might put a little more time yeah, in Yeah, I do. Yeah, but yeah, the
6: yeah, problem yeah. is then I'll buy another army. Like oh I'm going to play these guys now and it yeah. starts all over again. Yeah, you yeah know, totally. it's
0: tough. So so if I were to, if let's say I walk in the room and you're playing magic and I look down at your deck what are you playing?
6: straight up direct red damage. Okay. That's it. All or nothing.
0: To the face. <laughs> Just
6: to the face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did that's you it. play
0: Commander at all? No,
6: my son's trying to get me to play Commander. So I, I think yeah. I will eventually. So I'll, I'll get involved game. with that. Because yeah. it R- looks R- great. It looks good.
0: All roads lead to Commander. Yeah.
6: yeah, that's what I hear. So that's yeah. what he says. So uh, I think I'll jump in at some point.
0: Okay, so people can find you at mockpool.net. That's correct. And uh, Twitter or anything like that?
6: Uh, no, my daughter's hammering me on that. She's like, "Dad, you really got to get you got to you got to be posting more. You got to get out there." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> so when I post one time, she gets all happy. But she's like, "Dad, you got to do it every day." So eventually, I'll get my my act together and and get that going. Well, so, hey, I mean, you yeah, know, yeah.
0: you're popular enough that you don't need it. So. I know, but I still should. I yeah. still should. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Why
6: not? Well, yeah.
0: hey, thanks so much. Yeah, Mark. man, definitely. Great having you on the show.
3: Thanks,
6: man.
0: Awesome. Take care. To get started, why don't you just introduce yourself and say your name?
3: Sure thing. Uh Chuck Lucas.
0: Okay, awesome. So you're a magic card illustrator, magic artist. Yep. And how long have you been working with Wizards of the Coast and Magic?
3: They uh they first got me in on the Lorwin deck. Oh okay. um, and I think they uh got um, for that deck it w- went a little bit more fairy tale um, kids book looking sort of illustrators in on that deck uh, so um, Lorwyn, uh, Morning Tide uh, and then I've been doing it ever since so that was right around 2002 up until now
0: and I assume that you'd been doing fantasy art before that as well yep.
3: uh, did uh, D&D work so um, uh, when they used to have uh, print magazines, this is kind of dating me, but when they used to have print magazines of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Dragon Adventures, and uh, Dungeon Magazine, uh, I was in a lot of modules um, for D and D before Magic, and um, but I've been in the game for about 25 years now. and blessing or a curse? Oh, that's that's amazing. And so Hopefully, blessing. <laughs>
0: so I know this might be a hard question to ask but do you have any favorite pieces or pieces if someone were to ask you you know that you would be really excited to show them well
3: magic? I was I've, been, I've said it a couple times for this uh, GP in, in that um, unless some kind of like uh, health issues come about so where I have to you know sell a painting for, for the cash uh, the Vanquisher card for uh um amongst the heroes cards that i did uh for the first theros block that one i'm keeping that one's kind of my baby (laughs) but halfway through this uh elspeth piece when i was painting it i got it in my mind to try and dissociate from the you know halfway through I, I knew it, it couldn't be my baby so like I, I knew I was going to sell that right away and you know strike when the iron's hot kind of thing uh, so favored would probably be currently the um, vanquisher card.
1: yeah
0: Well, it's, you know it's interesting because I know as artists you do a lot of work and who knows exactly why one particular thing is closer to your heart than another you know but oh
3: yeah Yeah, the card dynamic is pretty much worthless in terms of like most of those hero cards. You have to find a way to work them into your deck, but um, so it's not really you know the dynamic of the card isn't all too uh, great. But it's just it kind of speaks to a certain level of finish that I got up to that I'm I'm used to painting at at this point.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, do you play Magic yourself?
3: Haven't for quite some time. I'm. I was uh, just graduating co- college when um, the game came out and was released, and I played with uh, fellow college uh, students at the time. Uh, and then tried to pick it up a couple of different times. When I first got picked up for Lore, when I tried, you know, playing a couple games, just didn't have the time. Um, and then recently, I got enough free cards from folks that, where I was like, well, I should try and play again. And that fell through too. So I give most of my cards that I get uh, to um, a magic group that runs through the school. And I teach at the uh, Pacific Northwest College of Art here in, oh, Town, here in Portland.
0: Okay, that's wonderful. What particular classes do you
3: teach? Uh, character design. Uh, that's um, my, my book, uh, Fantasy Genesis Characters. Is pretty much the class that I teach in book form, and there's also, in association with the book, is a thing called what I'm calling Genesis Generator, and that's on my website. So www.chucklucas.com is something like Inktober prompts. They're they're like Inktober prompts like on crack. <laughs> so where, there, uh, it'll give you um, word association. Uh, prompts and then oftentimes look up reference for you for the for those so i'd check that out but um in terms of the class that i teach it's all in fantasy genesis characters basically. Okay.
0: wow that's really fantastic actually i love that someone can you know go to school and take a class specifically for fantasy character illustration i think yeah, that's, they have. that's really exciting
3: there's a there's a a handful of folks that want to be magic the gathering artists every semester and some of them really pile drive into it, and, and and I can see them in the next five or ten or five or six years uh, becoming magic gathering artists, and other folks find you know editorial work or something else that like it might be the way to go. Yeah. But yeah, I can't wait until one of my students gets their first card. I'm gonna, I'll be, I don't know, vicariously uh, parentally proud, I suppose.
0: Well, and that just leads me to the question of how did you get started with magic specifically?
3: I don't know if it, this is the same kind of vetting process, but the uh, Gen Con, the convention in Indianapolis, they had set up um, 15 minute slots where you would get FaceTime with the art directors from Wizards of the Coast. And I think they still do this, and I suggest this to students as well. Uh, they still vet folks through um, D D too. So if you get D and D work, your your work starts to increase in terms of brand. Uh, they'll hire you in on magic. Um, so that's pretty much what it went. Uh, I got my first couple gigs uh, for D and D out of the convention set and getting to know the uh, the different art directors that were working. Some of them, you know, I've had 20-year relationships with, business relationships with them, and they're still working at Wizards. But um, that's how I initially got the first couple of gigs, and then it moved on to Magic the Gathering work.
0: In addition to your website and your book, um, where can people find you? Do you have a Twitter or an Instagram
5: following?
3: Or All like on that? the uh, social networks. It's just under my name. Uh, I spell the last name L U K A C S. It's horribly Hungarian. So <laughs> well, <laughs> look, look for that. I'm also under, if you look up Light Pusher, my website is under lightpusher.com. And. Um, all on the social networks so like uh, Instagram Twitter Facebook awesome Um,
0: well thank you so much for being on the show it's been a pleasure chatting with
5: you pleasure chatting with you too yeah
3: thanks
0: introduce yourself and say your name
5: okay well my name's Ken Meyer Jr. um, and I've i worked for Magic mainly in the beginning like uh, around 93 to I think 98 ish uh, and I didn't do a ton of cards, about 15 cards or so. So, T-
0: Tell us what were some of the first cards you did for Magic.
5: Well, I think, well, Arabian Nights was the first set. Uh, and maybe Currit 8 might have been the first card, I think. Uh, but it was that group. I think there were like seven cards, if I remember right. Uh, so it probably could have been Currit 8.
0: That's, that's an excellent card to start on, I have to say. started off with a bang. And so, what were you doing before your magic illustration?
5: Uh, well, I mean, I learned to draw like most people when I was a kid. In my case, it was tracing from comic books, which I still read to some degree. Um, and that was my original plan, was to go in the comic book field, which I did some, but not really as a full-time thing. Uh, and then, after college, I started working um, in various ad agencies and stuff. So I was already a working artist uh, from about 19, I'd say 77 onward, and I didn't start working uh, with magic until 92,93. So um, I had already learned uh, pretty much self-taught what I used from that point on, and then I just, with a lot of time, you know got better and better.
0: Yeah, and so we had just been talking earlier about how um, you, you've you done a lot of illustration, and a lot of it not necessarily fantasy-based.
5: Right, uh, because really the, first, the very first game I did was for a company called Mayfair Games, and it was a werewolf-themed uh, book. Mm-hmm. But then right after that, I started doing a ton of work for White Wolf Games, and their stuff is more horror-themed. So I did hundreds and hundreds of paintings for them, for books and cards and stuff. Um, and then when Magic really broke wide open, then of course there were a lot of new games that came out. So I did a lot of work for of those other companies and games like Shadow Fist, Middle Earth, uh, the vampire game, uh, Magicka, Redemption, uh, Dragon's Storm... Um, and probably some others that I'm forgetting. Wow! That's Shadow cool. Fist, Legend of the Five Rings.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I played Shadow Fist a little bit. I played a little bit of Legend of the Five Rings. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. And have you done illustration for some of the more recent Magic sets as well?
5: No, I wish I had. It's it's a little harder to get back in uh, during the gap of my work for them. They got so big they can hire pretty much anyone and every fantasy artist wants to work for magic pretty much so uh, in addition to their taste changing somewhat over the years um, I haven't done anything for well since like 98, 99 and uh, I keep trying to get in now and then and it'll just depend on who knows find the right art director or something.
0: So what have you been working on lately?
5: Well, I just take on whatever work I can find, like a lot of illustrators, all kinds of stuff. I do portraits for people. I've done animal pet portraits. I, I do commissions of all kinds. I do altered cards. Um, uh, and I still do a lot of work for some of the companies that splintered off from White Wolf. So I have pretty constant work with them. Um, so it's just all over the map
0: have any favorite cards you've done for Magic?
5: Any ones that you feel the most proud of? Um, you know, people ask that a lot and I don't have a real deep opinion. Uh, I Stone Throwing Devils was fun because of sort of a combination of uh, funny, cartoony, and realistic. Benalish Trapper was the newest one and that was probably the, the better painting of any of them. Um... Abu Jafar I like to some degree too and I also did uh, about eight or nine years ago I did new versions of probably about seven or eight of my cards so I could have what I considered a better painting of them and I Abu Jafar stayed pretty much the same except just a lot better painting and the others I changed positions changed even changed the look of the characters I made Ernim Jin a female so stuff like that so um Wow, that, so I sort of upgraded them, you know, That's 2.0. I, I, it
0: didn't even occur to me that that's something that could be done or that might be done.
5: Yeah, and I wish that they would, I mean, they've obviously reissued some of the cards with other artists, but I really wish they would re- do them again with this newer art of mine because I, I it's a lot better art than the original stuff because it was done so long ago.
0: What would you say, um, what were some of your key influences?
5: Oh, man, they're all over the map, too. Uh, Because since I did start with comics, there are a lot of comic artists that really influenced me early on, Uh, some of the mainstream artists, and then a lot of the independent comics that came out in the 80s and 90s. So there are a lot of artists there that I really like a lot. And also some... Really classic Renaissance type people like Michelangelo and El Greco and stuff when I was younger. And then uh, a later point, I got more into commercial illustration. So then a lot of mainstream commercial illustrators influenced a lot of the painting that I was learning. So it's sort of a combination of all that stuff. Uh, comic artists like uh, uh, Jack Kirby, you know, one of the biggest names. Um, and then some of the people that came along later, like Frank Miller, uh, Craig Russell, uh, people like that. And then independent comic artists like Steve Rood and Jaime Hernandez, various people like that. Uh,
0: Did you ever get into 2000 AD? any of Judge Dredd, any of that kind of
5: stuff? Uh, I never really, I didn't see very many issues of that being in the U.S., uh, and I didn't know to search it out but I actually had some work in some British comics what was it called um, uh, Toxic is what it was called there were a couple issues of that there was a there's a guy named Mike Carey who's gone on to be a pretty popular writer uh, for uh, uh, DC mainly I think and he, before he reached that level he he and I did a series that was sort of like maybe Watchmen esque in that it was a lot of New superhero characters and stuff, uh, but we got—I got like forty odd pages done, and uh, I think the toxic went under, and so we didn't finish it. But it was fun. Yeah, it's hard though because uh, in my case. I've ended up slowly gravitating towards relatively realistic rendered work and so a lot of times I'll do a lot of uh, photography uh, for reference and it makes it harder for me doing a, a superhero book because of the nature of the characters you know basically being naked people with latex on um And then tons of peripheral characters around the edges and stuff. So it makes for an awful lot of work. A lot of workload for comparatively small pay. So I I was offered one or two projects, like a Green Lantern thing at one time, and I just didn't think I was good enough to pull it off. Um, uh, So most of the stuff I did was for smaller companies, and more like Vertigo-esque kind of stories, realistic, maybe horror stuff
0: so you've, you've really spanned the gamut in your career
5: it's- yeah I've done I, I have and I've had a lot of different day jobs too one I had I worked for a couple couple government contracting companies in the 90s and one job I got I would fly I lived in Las Vegas at the time I would fly this remote place supposedly across from Area 51 in the Nevada desert um, on like a 737 and stay there four days of the week, living in these trailers, working ten-hour shifts for the stealth fighter before it was declassified, and then just come back home uh, Thursday night and try to get everything done in the weekend. And I was doing freelance work too throughout that. So I've had a lot of a lot of weird jobs and stuff throughout my life.
0: That's amazing. Well, um, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us. Um, where can people find you and your work on the internet?
5: Well, I have my own website, which is com. I do a lot on Facebook. I do a lot of process videos on Facebook and then get them on YouTube eventually. So I have a YouTube channel. I'm on Instagram. Um, I have a a page where I sell a lot of my stuff that's accessed from my website. Um, And then there are other websites that I have work on, like Fine Art America and red bubble and various sites like that so i try to get it out as much as i can obviously because i need to make a living you know
0: excellent well thanks so much for taking the time it's been a pleasure chatting with you
5: you're welcome thanks a lot appreciate it
0: and finally here are a couple of interviews with some cosplayers at the event uh it was really cool seeing these guys they were just they looked fantastic i I should have taken some pictures actually i'm just realizing now that would have been a cool thing to include but anyway you can look them up on their social medias to see some of the amazing work that they've done enjoy please tell us your name
7: Hello, I am Zebex, aka Zenade Beckham. I am a Magic the Gathering cosplayer and gamer.
0: And who are you dressed as today?
7: Today I'm cosplaying as Fey of Wishes.
0: So, where do you get the inspiration for your cosplays? Is it just like your favorite cards of the set or are there particular uh, costumes that you like making?
7: Uh, this particular one, I'm not a fan of fall and I had Before this card art was spoiled, I had asked some of my followers to tell me their favorite things about fall to get me out of my slump, and shortly after being inspired by some of their posts about pumpkin spice and scarves, Magali's art of Faye of Wishes was spoiled. So I, just being on my fall appreciation kick, saw the art of the beautiful fall fairy wings and was like, that's what I have to make. So usually it's art that I like, um, cards that I like, just something that appeals to me. And I do like to do something that's current. So I like to be up on the times, whether I did Sarah the Benevolent um, for Modern Horizons or Fae of Wishes uh, for Throne of Eldraine.
0: So you're looking at one of the latest sets art that you like do you have any particular characters that you're really fond
7: of uh well i really like the sarah the benevolent that i did this year and my other favorite from this year was serum visions occasionally i do other cards too um i like to do cards that are relevant to the event that i'm going to uh so at the time it was scheduled to be a modern event it got switched to modern horizons however i had serum visions because that is one of the top played cards found in a high percentage of modern decks so i I love that card art too. Having used it myself in some decks,
0: I love that. That's like that's a deep cut. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people just go for a planeswalker or some like really iconic
7: character. I started off doing a lot of characters that were not normal. Like I did start off with Liliana of the Veil, but it was followed by Restoration Angel. Um, I did Carrie Zev, Nylea God of the Hunt. So some of my earlier ones were a lot more offhand and then when people don't recognize you then you're like okay i'm gonna do nissa next because i want people to know what i am i feel like
0: the true magic fans will (laughs) see and appreciate you
7: give them a couple of hints like i have some little glass jars with me here today uh so when people are want to know what i am i say well i've got some non-creature spells for you here uh from outside the game what am i and The ones who know can figure it out. I love it.
0: That's amazing. So how did you get started cosplaying?
7: I have a dance background, so I know how to sew. And when I started playing Magic, uh, we attended the Pro Tours to watch. And I didn't know enough to be able to follow the game. So Pro Tour Dark Ascension, I decided that I wanted to dress up as Liliana of the Veil, So that I could be at the event, even though I couldn't follow the games, but still feel like I belonged. Um, So it just started as me dressing up and making a costume every year for each event that I would attend. And then I uh, was encouraged to do it more and it seemed like something I already like to do. So here I am in full force. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. I mean, you're wearing at least the second costume that I've seen this weekend.
7: Yeah, I did four costumes for three days uh, for this event. And uh, in Vegas, I did six costumes for four days. So I do pride myself on... Uh, my work of the year and being current, but still having great quality. That's, I
0: mean, that's impressive. That's like quantity and quality. Uh,
7: Thank you. That's a commitment
4: to the And this is
7: all uh, just a hobby. You know, I am a sponsored cosplayer with Channel Fireball, which is wonderful and addictive behaviors in Eugene, Oregon. So I do uh, get to benefit a little bit from my hobby. Um, But it's just really exciting that it's a thing now that I get to do and love
0: yeah so uh, is there any advice that you would give for aspiring cosplayers
7: I'd say go for it do it you need to start somewhere even if you start like the casual cosplays that you may have seen me do PJ Sarah for the sleepwalker Um, that was just all stuff that I had from my closet so if you don't put yourself out there and try it how are you going to know and you know if you want to start with a more complicated build just make sure that you allow yourself enough time before the event don't plan to do a 200 hour build when you have two weeks coming up like take a whole year for that if it's your first one just everything one step at a time and you'll get there and
0: uh final question what are some of your favorite materials that you work in or things that are like um maybe wouldn't be super obvious to someone looking at it. Certainly.
7: Um, well, if you look at my Rowan Kenris that I wore earlier this weekend, all of the armor pieces I made out of stretch fabric. So I used decorative stitching prior to assembling the pieces together, and I have a whole making-of video on my social medias at ZBEX, Z-B-E-X-X, where you can go watch it if you'd like. Um, but I created the reflection of armor the way that the card art has the lines, only using fabric and another material that I like is zebra it's a thermoplastic which a lot of cosplayers either use Warbla as a thermoplastic or foam Um, but it's really awesome to mold like clay and I've personally worked with it primarily, and have found that it's really easy for what I make.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to make an appearance on the show. Of course. And where can people find you on the Instagram? Uh,
7: So again, you can find me at ZBEX, Z-B-E-X-X, and I am everywhere. That's my handle on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitch, YouTube, I've got lots of good content out there, from Magic the Gathering, to cosplay, to just having fun.
0: Well, Zvax, thank you so much. (laughs) It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks
7: for having me on the
4: show. My name is Ariel.
0: Ariel, okay. Who are you cosplaying today?
4: I'm cosplaying as Rowan Kenrith.
0: I I love it. The the costume is amazing. I'm super impressed. You look fantastic. So, how long have you been cosplaying Magic for?
4: Oh, geez. Uh, Since, like... I made a Chandra Pyramaster back in, like, 2014. That took me a while to make, so since then...
0: And so, um, I think a lot of people don't quite realize what goes into making a cosplay. What are some of the materials that you use?
4: Oh, man. Uh, I personally am very fond of using a thermoplastic called Warbler, which is what I make armor out of, typically. Um, You heat it up with a heat gun, and you can shape it into pretty much any shape you want. Um, But also, like fabric and sewing and lots of foam um, i like to add lots of electronics to my things um, i have a smoke machine in the back of my chandra costume and then i just put leds and everything that i can possibly do that's amazing
0: <laughs> so i mean how did you learn to do all of this was it self-taught
4: a little bit i i went to school to learn to be an actor and then i went that's awful i don't want to do that so i learned how to sew at least um doing costume design and then the electronics was partly self-taught i had a little bit of help from a friend um who at least taught me like how to not burn myself or my house down um but yeah a lot of it's been self-taught or tutorials or a little bit of help from friends mostly it's it's a weird thing
0: you're like soldering things, you're using glue guns, you're using heat guns, a lot of guns. Yes,
4: I actually have a pin on a back- backpack that says like hot glue gun permit. Oh, that's,
0: that's amazing. <laughs> I love it, I love it.
4: Do you have any favorite,
0: uh, like favorite characters to cosplay in the Magic Universe? Chandra. Yeah. She's
4: my favorite. We, I, I've made like four versions of chandra i made chandra Pyremaster master and then i remade i can't remember which one i modeled it after but then i made another chandra and then i made torture defiance and then i also made pre-spark chandra that's i'm naturally a redhead so it's just really easy to just not wear a wig and be chandra so
0: that's awesome yeah. i mean plus she's just such a fantastic character right
4: i do love her to be cheesy she's like my spirit planeswalker no, I mean, that that's how it goes, you know, it's, I feel like everyone, if you
0: play magic long enough, you're going to find your planeswalker mm-hmm. is like, your person. Oh yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, do you play a lot of magic?
4: uh yeah i am really more into playing commander um and doing drafts more i kind of was a little shy about drafts at first but i've been playing a lot more mtg arena so i've been able to get better at drafting (laughs) so um it's been more fun now but i could never play in a main event that's like too much stress (laughs) i'd rather just play commander I know. I
0: was thinking about playing the main event this weekend, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna have fun. I'm just gonna do the podcast and just kind of take it easy. That's so, rad. That yeah, I yeah. I think I think that that works out well. Um, well, do you want to give any shout outs or anything like that while you're on the show? Thank anyone that kind of thing. No, oh, no man. need to if you
4: don't. Know, no you pressure. Know, <laughs> no pressure, right? Uh, I guess like I oh man I, I know she's kind of not around as much anymore in the scene but like Moxie MTG she was like a huge influence to really push me into doing the cosplay stuff we kind of have like a small business with me her and Aaron Art Stuff online we actually made Dana Fisher's um, Nissa cosplay so uh, cool. I made the staff and the other two made all the other bits of it but yeah so I they're like a nice little family I get to surround myself with so oh that's
0: wonderful that's yeah. awesome so where can people find
4: you on the interwebs uh, I'm very active on Twitter and Instagram under airbubbles on t- Twitter and Air Bubbles Cosplay on Instagram with underscores between each word. And then uh, I do stream as Air Bubbles Cosplay, one word. But, yeah, those are going to be the best places to find me.
0: Do you stream in costumes sometimes?
4: Sometimes, yes, I do. It is effort to put it on, though.
0: <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Well, that's reason enough, I think, to tune in, so... Awesome. Well, thank Thank you, Ariel, so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. So, yeah, thanks for joining me on my journey through talking with all these wonderful people. Much gratitude to all of you for contributing to the show. It's really a pleasure and an honor to have you on here. I wanted to give a couple of quick shout outs as well to people who I spoke with the, at the event who didn't make it onto the podcast. Uh, firstly, I got to hang out a little bit with Jerry Thompson and Brian Gottlieb from the Arena Decklist podcast. And of course, they need no introduction. Those guys are both great. They were there at the event, you know, playing in their various events, and um, they were just hanging out with fans. and being super cool dudes the whole weekend. So anyway, it was I, you know, just had a quick chat with them and it was fun talking podcasts and talking magic. So thanks so much Brian and Jerry. Appreciate talking with you. Uh, another shout out which I'm I'm kind of sad about this. I also saw Dana Fisher at the event and uh, I sat down and got an interview with her and and thought I recorded an interview with her. And uh, when I got home and uploaded all of these audio snippets, that one was missing. So I don't really know what happened there. Um, I had a new recorder that I was using this weekend, and perhaps I just uh, didn't know how to use it properly. Or Anyway, I can swear that I recorded that interview, but apparently I didn't. So that was a shame. I really enjoyed my conversation with Dana. I wish I could share it with you. And so um, big apologies, Dana. I I was really excited to have you on the show. And uh, I'm sorry the audio didn't make it. I'll look forward to round two, hopefully, at a future magic event. But yeah, Dana Fisher, really amazing magic player. She was there um, with her dad and, and with some friends and doing work, of course, as she usually does, headed for great things. So yeah, definitely catch up with Dana Fisher. I'll put a link to her stuff in the show notes so that you guys can check her out. Anyway, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Arena Craft podcast. It's been a pleasure having you with us. If you like what you've heard, uh, you can go ahead and join our Discord community, leave us a review somewhere, share us with your friends. I appreciate your taking the time to listen to this today and I'll look forward to bringing you some more awesome stuff next week. Have a wonderful holiday. Bye-bye.